we are about to look at two chapters of the Old Testament. That means I need full attention for the entire time. Are you up for this? Two chapters. It's not going to be easy, but it is chapter 18 and 19 of 2 Kings. And I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles now to uh, chapter 19, verse 9, as we read a text kind of in the middle. I'm not going to read everything in the two chapters, but we will cover what's going on in both of those. 2 Kings 19, 9 through 15. The Word of God to us. Now Sennacherib, the emperor of the Assyrian Empire, now Sennacherib received a report that Tirkakah, the Cushite king of Egypt, was marching out to fight against him. So he again sent messengers to Hezekiah with this word. Say to Hezekiah, king of Judah, Do not let the God you depend on deceive you when he says Jerusalem will not be handed over to the king of Assyria. Surely you have heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all the countries, destroying them completely. Will you be delivered? Did the gods of those nations that were destroyed by my forefathers deliver them? And he lists several of those nations. Verse 14, Hezekiah received the letters from the messengers and read it. And then he went up to the temple of the Lord and he spread it out before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord. About eight months ago, amidst a lot of the uh, buzz about a movie that was coming out called Eat, Pray, Love, I was teaching on a Wednesday night here and I just kind of said out loud, you know, this movie's supposed to be kind of how Eastern religion meets pop American culture and this ought to be interesting. Anybody that would like to, uh, we're going to get a group of people, you want to, we're going to go, I want to see this movie, I want to experience it, I want to talk about it afterwards. So one of our elders, Bill Too, called and says, I want to go see that movie. So uh, we went to the Malco Theater over here and we, we saw Eat, Pray, Love. And it changed my life. <laughs> no, I hated it. <laughs> there are a few things in life I've hated more than the movie Eat, Pray, Love. And, and the reason that I hated it is because it was so self-oriented and shallow and totally predictable and boring, not to mention. But it did delve into a major theme of how Americans deal with their lives. That is... We run, and we try to find a magic bullet. We try to string something together, pull something together that will answer our lives, and we're, we're just out there. And that is what that movie is about. And I did appreciate the fact that that tendency in the heart of all people, all of us, was addressed very thoroughly, more thoroughly than you want to go see in that movie. Now, we were not the only people analyzing that movie at the time. And I want to read to you from just a little bit from an article that was written at the same time as the movie came out by a lady named Diana Barnes Brown. This is not a Christian publication, by the way. She made her own observations. Quote, Eat, Pray, Love, in case you don't know the story, 
details Elizabeth Gilbert's decision to leave an unsatisfying marriage and embark on an international safari of self-actualization. I thought that was a great little <laughs> word. Now, what you probably don't know is that she actually went in with a proposal to her publisher and her publisher paid for the entire thing out of their money for her to have all these experiences without any cost to her and write the book. Diane Barnes-Brown goes on, Gilbert eats exotic food, meditates, that would be Italy, meditates in exotic places, that would be India, um, and has exotic romantic interludes, which I won't refer to. The book and the movie could have just as been easily called Wealthy, Whiny, White. <laughs> Eat, Pray, Love. Big sales, really bad advice. And just after the movie, the lights came on and Bill looked at me and he said, well, what did you think? And I said out loud, within the hearing of uh, people, in, I said, that is the biggest bunch of consumeristic hogwash I have ever seen. And people heard me because my voice is loud. And, and furthermore, if I were a Hindu, I would be furious. Because this was pop culture. This wasn't even about Hindu. I'm taking up for the Hindus because I know about Hinduism. This is pure consumerism. You know this isn't about Eastern religion. It's about running away from reality, spending money on yourself to help yourself feel better and find yourself. That's why, what does she call it? Wealthy, whiny, white. Hence the title of the article. The whole title is Eat, Pray, Spend. Well, look. I mean, we can make fun of that. But isn't it the truth? We just do. We, we, we kind of have a tendency to look out there for the answers. Um, when the pressure is on, we're always looking for that magic pill. And um, rather than just face reality with faith and courage in a, in a normal life, we'd rather reach for something exotic and quick. When the pressure's on, very often... That, that is when it is revealed who we really are. And by the way, we're all going to struggle under pressure. We're all going to choose poorly and well. But really it is pressure that is going to reveal where we really are, who we really are, and more importantly, what we're going to depend on in our lives. I'll tell you a big myth about American culture in the 21st century, and in the 20th century for that matter, is that we are independent people. We are not. Everybody's dependent. Look, you say, I'm, I'm, no, I'm, I'm not dependent. I make my own living. I make my own choices. I do this. Well, let me remind you that you have those talents, gifts, and abilities only because they were given to you by God. Let me remind you that the breath of air that you just took into your lungs just then was borrowed by God. We are dependent, whether we want to think it or not. We all are the product of all the learning that is going on. Uh, the question is not whether we're dependent, but who are we going to depend on? What are we going to depend on? That's what I want to talk with you about this morning. Because Hezekiah is in a situation, other than the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus you know, has that pressure that Brad was praying about and that that was the, the highest amount of pressure anybody is under in the Scriptures. But this has to rank right on up there with it 
King Hezekiah is in the midst of unbearable pressure with the Assyrian Empire surrounding his city. The people that nobody can stop, they kill everybody. And there's this long list. No one's ever defeated them yet. And um, we entered this story, if you were here two weeks ago, we've been going through this passage in, in 2 Kings. He's already blown it. He's already tried to use money to fix his problems, had not he? He took his money out of the treasury, his gold and silver out of the treasury. He took, money, he took the gold, stripped it off the doors of the temple, off the pillars of the temple. And you know what he did? Rather than praying to God, rather than getting a word from God and wisdom from God, he said, I know how to handle this. I'll just pay. And he takes it and he hands it to his enemies to make them go away. And uh, they don't go away. As they say, you can't negotiate with terrorists. All that did was for them to say, hey, look, we know, now we got your gold and your silver and we still want your city. And you need to surrender right now. And so, Sennacherib, the emperor of the strongest empire in the world, sends three representatives out to meet with Hezekiah. Well, Hezekiah sees that Sennacherib himself is not coming, so he not being less than, than the other, sends his corresponding three representatives out to meet. And in chapters 18 and 19, we have two times where Sennacherib and Hezekiah go toe-to-toe. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens here. But the question is simply this. Who will Hezekiah, this time, rely on? Chapter 18, verse 19, the field commander said to them, as they encountered the three people on the Jewish side, the field commander said to them, tell Hezekiah, this is what the great king, the king of Assyria, says. On what are you basing this confidence of yours? And verse 30, this is the word more than any other word that keeps being repeated in these two chapters of Scripture. Here it is. On whom are you depending that you would rebel against the king of Assyria. Over and over is the term meaning relying, trusting, depending. On whom are you depending? He immediately rattles off three things that you can't depend on. He says, first of all, you can't depend on Egypt. Egypt's not a power compared to us. What you're going to do is you're going to to try to reach out to Egypt to save you. You know what they're like? He gives this word picture. They're like a broken reed that you lean on it and just cuts your hand because it's broken. He says, you can't can't depend on Egypt. He said, you certainly can't depend on your puny little army. I mean, your army's a joke. In fact, when he tells them, verse 23, about you can't depend on your army, he makes a joke. He says, if we gave you 200, excuse me, 2,000 horses, you couldn't even beat one of our officers. And his little brigade, one of our officers with 2,000 of our horses with his hand tied behind his back can defeat you. You, you, know, you. you know you can't depend on your army, and sure enough, they knew it. Thirdly, he says, and this is where he crossed the line. You can't trust that little God of yours. And in verses 22 and 25, there's this, all this weird stuff about, and by the way, your God told us to tell you He's sending us to destroy you. There's all this misinformation. It's kind of this PR campaign to get them by any means possible to surrender. 
But I'd like for us to go to our chapter, chapter 19, and look at verse 19. We've got to get to the crux of this choice that Hezekiah is going to have to make. Do not let the God you depend on deceive you when he, the God Yahweh, says Jerusalem will not be handed over to the king of Assyria. Surely you've heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all the countries, destroying them completely. And will you be delivered? Did the gods of those nations that were destroyed by my forefathers deliver them? You can't depend on your God. And this gets really interesting because the three the envoys uh, who are talking in, in, in chapter 18 to the three guys sent out from um, Sennacherib, they realized something was really out of protocol. They were talking in Hebrew. Now you might say, well, of course they talked in Hebrew. These are Jews. No, 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 no. The international language of diplomacy was Aramaic. And the Jewish envoy said, hey, could you please do what you're supposed to do and talk in Aramaic? Because we really don't want the people on the wall listening to all the murderous ways you're going to kill us. And they laughed and said, that's why we're talking in Hebrew. So Hezekiah not only has the most powerful, so far unstoppable force in the world surrounding Jerusalem, now he's got ripples of fear throughout his city. He's got problems on the inside now because of what they've done as well as the outside. And the question, of course, is, what will he do? It's really the same question that needs to be asked of of you and of me. On what or on whom will you depend under pressure? Because we're going to depend on something. And we're going to depend on somebody or something someone has said. Let me just put it in a way that you can all remember. It's not eat, pray, love. That's not the answer to dealing with our stress, to run away. Here's what it is. It's read, pray, rest. Can you say that with me? Read, pray, Rest. That's what Hezekiah teaches us to do. The first is this notion that we need to read. In 2 Kings 19.1, it says, When King Hezekiah heard this, he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes, which was a sign of grief and a sign of great humility before God. And he went to the temple of the Lord, and he sent Eliakim, the palace administrator, Shebna the secretary, and the leading priest, all wearing sackcloth, to the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos. This is, yes, the prophet Isaiah. You know, the one who in Isaiah 53 talked about Jesus and the suffering servant and and salvation. This this is the big gun. Hey, great. This time we're not going to just try to handle this on our own. We're not going to just try to buy buy away our problems by giving gold to the enemy. This time we want a word from God. What does God say? This is an improvement. Go get the prophet now, because we need to hear from God. So the prophet comes. 
And the prophet Isaiah speaks the word of Yahweh into the situation. And immediately, when the prophet Isaiah speaks the word of God into the situation, there is now a clear choice. The word of God or the word of Sennacherib. And what are you going to depend on? What are you going to trust in? Isaiah tells Hezekiah, don't be afraid. God has heard you. Quote, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. And this is the prophet. This is, this is, this is the word of God, direct from God. This is what the, the Lord, the God of Israel says. I have heard your prayer. And the word of God was for the protection of Jerusalem and the destruction of Sennacherib, if you can imagine that. Now, next week we'll look at Isaiah's prophecy. I'll kind of break that down a little bit and we'll talk about how that prophecy came into reality. And it's an incredible, it's an incredible event. But for now, I'd like to say that it is the same with us. Now... We all know that God impresses our spirits with many things. We are convicted of, of sin. We have a sense of joy that can well up within us and a sense of gratitude. God is, God is working in us and on us. And I mean, this thing is alive and it's happening in real time, yes. But it, but it is through the Word of God that we really know who He is, what He's done what he wants to do in our lives. It's no different today. The reason I say read, you know, they had the prophet Isaiah come and say it. For them, it would be listen, pray, rest. But for us, it's read, pray, and rest. And you know, what will be our response to pressures and disappointments and difficulties? Will we just look everywhere else for, for the answer? Or will we seek a word from God? And you know what's really amazing? What's really amazing is this. What if, I mean, this is, this is God's word. Perfect, inerrant, infallible, eternal. What if we learned God's word, got a word from God on a regular basis? In other words, what if it wasn't just when we finally got in trouble and we're going, God, I'm just, I'm swirling around in this vortex. I have to have a word. And we go, there it is right there, you know. And uh, hey, listen, if, if whatever it takes for us to get in the Bible, I'm happy with it. Don't get me wrong. But what would happen if we really said, wow, man does not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Meaning, we can't do our own lives apart from the truth of God. We, our, our minds would begin to be shaped by this word. Our, our hearts would begin to be shaped. And there would be actual things in our lives that, instead of going through all this rigmarole and up and down in the roller coaster yet again, only to be told God's word, we might just cut it off as uh, Barney Fife or whoever said, nip it in the bud, you know, we might just nip in the bud and say, you know what? That's just not true. Wouldn't it be great to have a 60% reduction of emotional roller coaster rides in your life? Nope, that's not true. The Word of God says that's not true. I'm not going there. I'm not going to believe that. That is not true. Remember God's love and His faithfulness. Remember, God has not forgotten you. 
God has given you a word and given me a word. So, we have a choice now. Word of God or the word of Sennacherib. So, first thing is read. Secondly is pray. In chapter 19, Hezekiah receives a doomsday letter from Sennacherib himself. You know, in chapter 18, they come, these three guys, and they, they, they kind of have a little bit of a, you know, Sennacherib says this, and they have a little bit of a dialogue. And then in chapter 19, Sennacherib sends a letter, a multi, we'll say a multi-page letter to Hezekiah. And just so you'll know what happened in between, a little history, if, uh, when we started reading our text this morning, did you notice that... Um, in, in verse 9 of chapter 19, now Sennacherib received a report that Tirkah, the Cushite king of Egypt, was marching out against him. You probably didn't see, it kind of went by you real fast because we weren't into the text yet. But what that was is they, they surrounded Jerusalem, all right? They said, you better come out, you better surrender, nobody can stand up to us. And they didn't. And then, you can't rely on Egypt, you can't rely on this, and the Egyptians actually started marching on them. You know, you hate it when this happens, but they had to withdraw several of their forces from Jerusalem to go handle the Egyptians. So there was like all this time. That's why they're back. Now they're, they're done with that. Now they're back in strength. And, and basically, Sennacherib is saying, we need to be done with this. I'm sending a letter, and he's either going to answer the letter yes, or we are going to smash this city and him and everybody in it. And, um, and so Hezekiah gets this letter. In verse 14 of chapter 19, he reads it. Can you imagine how his heart just sunk as he read this letter? But what we read next is just one of the best pictures of prayer in the entire Bible. Verse 14. Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers and read it. Look at this. Then he went up to the temple of the Lord and he spread out the letter before the Lord. In other words... He, he took the letter, went to the temple, and on the altar of God, he spread out the pages of this letter and prayed to God. You know, there will come a time, and there already has, but there will come a time in each of our lives when we will see whether you believe what you have said or not. I love what, what Brad had prayed early. He said something along these lines. He said, Lord, we're showing publicly our dependence upon you by praying. You see, when we're going through stuff, we're either going to go reach out, look for some answer, or we, we can handle it, we can do this, or we're going to read, get a word from God, see what He wants, and we're, and we're going to pray. And there comes a time when... You know, that basically put it this way. There, there comes a time when, when we who talk about God need to talk to Him. Does that make sense? This is very elementary. We who talk about God need to talk to God. And I love this notion of, of spreading the letter because Hezekiah didn't come into the temple with all this like uh, term paper, textbook perfect language kind of prayer. He just said, this is my problem. There it is, God. You can read it yourself. In other words, this wasn't dressed up. It was the actual letter. And I love that because what Hezekiah is saying is, I can't handle this on my own. I've got to cast my cares on you, Yahweh. I'm, I'm going to take this letter 
out of my hands. And I'm going to put it in your hands because I'm going to trust in you. And this, this imagery is, is beautiful. I'm going to pray act, about actual things and I'm going to transfer my trust, depend on is the word that we keep hearing in this, these two. I'm going to depend on you. I'm going to trust in your word and I'm going to seek you and not believe the words of Sennacherib when everything in my being and all the history tells me that what Sennacherib is saying actually has so much truth to it. He basically says this. God, what are you going to do about this? I told you in my life, one of the most radical moments in my young spiritual life was just carrying this huge burden, not sure what to do. You ever been in that place where you're scared to do this or that, and you, you know, you're carrying this thing, and you're trying to make it come around, you're trying to use your influence, whatever it is, it's just weighing you down. And I remember just saying to God in prayer one day, God, what are you going to do with this? And this peace came over me. I thought, oh, that's what you do in prayer. You actually cast your cares upon him before he cares, because he cares for you. Jesus actually did come and enter into our pain already on our behalf. Our pressure already on our behalf. And he has gone through it and he identifies with us. And we can just bring it just freighted in our hearts and just... Put it on to God. It is a beautiful thing. A beautiful thing. This week, I had a really unpleasant thought among many. But one of them that I would like to tell you about, you don't want me to tell you all of them, is the thought I had about halfway through the week when um, I love to watch the news or my homepage is a, on the, is a news page. And sometime this week, I just had this thought. I don't, I don't even want to see it. Stop, I know that stock market's just off again. I know somebody in Afghanistan died today. Something's happening in a school somewhere. Somebody got hurt. Somebody's worried that there's going to be a repeat tragedy, you know all that's coming, so we got to talk about Al-Qaeda all week. And I'm going to tell you, you know, the fact of the matter is, right now, for us, there's just not a whole lot of good news. In fact, if you go back to 2008, when the Great Recession started, and when this war in Afghanistan, and at that time in Iraq, just, just didn't look like it was going anywhere. And then we were fighting that war. Just not a lot of good news. And I was reminded through this text, Joseph, spread it out before the Lord. Don't run away from it. Say, God, I'm, I'm kind of depressed about all this stuff. See my heart. What are you going to do about these things? Lord, we're willing to do. I'm willing to do whatever you want me to in regard to this, that, or the other. You're the one that has to do the outcome. And then, you know, that doesn't even include all the personal stuff that goes on in your life and and how hard and, and heavy those things can be. Don't you love this passage? It's like a, a little child that Hezekiah just runs to his daddy and says, Daddy, I can't handle this. You've got to help. I want to give this, this to you. It's so wonderful because this place of, of pressure becomes a place of prayer. And let me tell you, and I know this from experience, 
when you've been trying to control things and you're bending them, you know, your way and you're trying to head off this and overpower that with your own strength, you just don't sleep well at night, do you? <laughs> Life's hard. And I'll tell you why you don't sleep well at night. Because deep in your heart of hearts, you intrinsically understand the real limitation. And that's you. Because you're not God. And you can't make everything work out. And yet, how heavy is this thing? Hezekiah starts his prayer by basically saying this. God, you are enthroned between the cherubim. That's on the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant, which is symbolic of the fact that God reigns with the cherubim and seraphim in heaven. He says, God, you're the God of heaven and earth. You created everything that existed. You rule over all the kingdoms of the world. And that's why I'm coming to you. If you look at verse 15, this is the prayer of Hezekiah. Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, O Lord, God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim. You alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Give ear, O Lord. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see And listen to the words Sennacherib has sent insulting you, the living God. What are you going to do about Sennacherib and the Assyrians, O God? We need a word from God. Isaiah came and gave that word. Read, pray. We need to cast our cares on the Lord. And the last thing is, is rest. Because God is simply bigger and we are His children And He loves us. Through Christ, we come into His family forever. God does have our best interest at heart and His glory at heart. And you know, you you read this prayer of Sennacherib, I mean of um, Hezekiah about Sennacherib, and you say, wow, he's really telling it true. Look at verse 17. It is true, O Lord, he says. He says, you know, this letter is true. That's what's so scary about it. It's true, O Lord. He says in verse 17 that the Assyrian kings have laid waste to the nations and their lands. They have thrown their gods into the fire and destroyed them for they were not gods but only wood and stone fashioned by men's hands. Now, O Lord our God, deliver us from His hand that all the kingdoms on earth may know that You alone, O Lord our God, Spread it out like a child in your life before the Lord and say, Lord, the bad news about what I'm telling you is it's true about me. It's true about my family. It's true about this friendship. It's true, God, about this nation. Spread it out before the Lord and say, You, God, what are You going to do? God is bigger. He loves His children. If If you have Christ, if you've put your trust in what Christ has done to take away the barrier that our sin between a holy God erects between us and God so that we can come into His embrace to be His children forever, then the fact is is that rest is something He gives you through prayer. didn't say He was going to make everything work out all the issues in your life right now, but He will give you a sense that He is bigger, that He is that, that if God is for you, who can be against you? Matthew Henry put it this way, and I love this kind of old language, and I restyled it a little bit so it wouldn't be terribly antiquated. 
Prayer is the never-failing resource of the believer. Isn't that wonderful? Add the mercy seat. We have, listen to these words, an almighty friend. Do you believe that? We have a friendly God. A friend who loves us. Who says, come, why do you carry this around? Come to me. At the mercy seat, go back to Matthew Henry, we have an almighty friend. To him, we can open our hearts, spread out our issues, our woes, and our fears. And Hezekiah then can rest in the Lord. And isn't it fascinating that if you go back to chapter 19, the very next verse is the answer to that prayer. Now, it doesn't always work out that way. Sometimes there's a a lag time, and we don't know what the lag time here is. But the next verse is verse 20. Then Isaiah, son of Amos, sent a message to Hezekiah. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, said. I have heard your prayer concerning Sennacherib, the king of Assyria. I have heard your prayer, and this is what the word of the Lord has spoken against him. And next week we'll look into all of that. It's an incredible story. But let me just say, read. We need a word from God. Word of Sennacherib, word of God. Which one are you going to trust? And by Sennacherib, for you, I mean anything contrary to the word of God. What are you going to believe? Read, pray. God loves his children. God hears the prayers of His children. You really... And He answers. And folks, you really don't have to carry it all around all the time. You really don't have to walk through this life exhausted times 100. You don't have to carry it all. You can cast it, your burdens on Him because He cares for you. I want to close by quoting the words of Jesus. These words in Matthew chapter 11 come after Jesus basically um, condemned and said in the, in the judgment certain cities because of their unbelief would be judged. So this is actually in the context of his kingship that he says this to his children. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Hear these words. Take my yoke upon you. And learn from me. Get a word from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will, you will find rest for your weary souls. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. That you not only are the God who saves us, Lord, you're the God who's provided for us. Would you forgive us for all the misadventures we so eagerly go on that are contrary to your word? Would you give us a word, your word, particularly with those, and Lord, we all struggle and wrestle. It's so real. And that's why we're so hard-pressed trying to find a quick and easy answer. Lord, would you give us a word from you through your word. Lord, I pray that 
that each of us would see that the mercy seat is not only there because we've been bid to come and pray, but that we wouldn't have to carry these gigantic boulders in a sack on our back any longer. Lord, would you help us to be like a child and just, even people in this sanctuary now, to be able to visualize just whatever it is and spreading it out before the Lord. Casting that upon you. Take it out of our hands into yours. And Lord, thank you that that is what produces rest. And Lord, we are willing to walk in your way and in your word from this point, whatever it is that you would like for us to do in these situations. But thank you, God, that in the midst of even the greatest points of pressure, you meet us with love and with peace. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.